This week on Rock and Roll Grad School, we're talking with singer-songwriter Sherry Miller. You may not have heard of her name just yet, but you definitely will have heard of some of the folks she's working with. That's Rock and Roll Grad School, available wherever you get your podcasts, rockandrollgradschool.com. Why is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Okay, remember when I got all excited because I saw on Ace Frehley's Instagram that he had his like run in the world and stuff socks on and I have those socks and I wear them all the time. Mm -hmm. My first pair of boxing shoes that I still have. Of course. Um, I don't wear them, but I still have them because they were wonderful. Right. I don't think they were actually the boxing shoe version, but they were the exact same brand, exact same model, exact same color scheme of black with pink. Keith mm-hmm. was wearing last night. Mm. So Keith and I now have the same t-shirt and the same shoes. Wow. We are destined to live on yeah. together. Do you think those are going to be the same uh, boxing shoes you are going to wear when we recreate the cover of Sparks's uh, Whoop That Sucker? Yes. Yeah, okay. Just wanted to make sure. This is Why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. And I feel like even when people are down for it, one person's always more into it than the other. Hmm. I mean, I think it's rare. Right that it's everybody's everyone's... on the same page mm. and what if like the people you like are hooked up with like what if one of them's like really good looking and the other one's like kind of an ass right and, and can and you just... say like oh i'm into this but not with you right or is this the like textbook and really i would love to have this textbook textbook definition of taking one for the team right and then it, she was talking about one of the, I guess there, there was a new New York club that they went to that you had to send in like a full body picture and all of this. And that just seems like high school. Well, yeah, that's too much. I, I don't like to put yourself out for that one is just like, this seems like mm-hmm. I couldn't take that ego hit. No. And how many people are like, I got this. Like, yeah, no question. I know. And if you are, I don't know if I would want to hook up with you. Well, that's exactly right. Right? Because as superficial as I am, you still got to be cool. Right. I don't know. I have so many questions for her. I mean, I guess if you're at a sex club, you're definitely down with making love in paradise. One would hope. Well, yeah. It, then you're in the wrong club. By the dashboard light. Right. You need, uh, you would need a new Uber driver. You would immediately, definitely. and that would definitely. definitely affect their rating. Certainly, it would certainly affect <laughs> the rating. I feel like often an Uber driver ends up staying at the sex club. Now that would be weird, right? It would, but I feel like it happens. Uh, I could definitely see that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what would be weirder? Like they always say, like the fear is that you're going to see somebody you know at that club, and the response is always like, "Well, but they're." at the club too right. so there's They're that also like there but of like your uber drivers like yeah i'll hang out like how do you say like you know what steve not tonight i'm not into this right are they going to get charged for sending them away because that's an extra fee an inconvenience fee and frankly that's his tip if he that gets is in his there tip. that is his tip you're right um or her tip. Want... right good point um, and I wonder too, like, there's always the forms you have to fill out. Even Nikki with oh. the gallery, there's like a form you have to fill out. 
Do you think one of the questions on the form is like, do you like making love in paradise? And you're like, it should. Yes. If right? we ran a sex club, questions one, two, and three would be, do you like pina coladas? Yes. Question two, and getting caught in the rain. Yes. <laughs> right? Because these are the questions we need the answers to. These are the questions we need the answers to. When did the museum start and how did it start? Um, it started in 1988. Um, that's actually when it opened its doors. But so probably about one to two years prior to that, a group of people, and I actually have their names if you want them, are Rex Call, Dean Gill, Brian Finnegan, Keith Hinkley, Alan Larson, Dean Yancey, Walter Gay, Claude Johnson, Marine Hill, and Nancy Batchelder. Um, <laughs> Most of them were in the potato industry somewhere around the Bingham County area. And um, they felt, because potatoes are such a huge part of Bingham County and actually of Idaho. Idaho produces, what, um, one-third of all the potatoes grown in, I mean, grown in the United States. It's huge, our outlet. So um, they felt that since Bigham County itself grows more potatoes than any other county in Idaho, actually in, not in Idaho, but in the, in the United States, more than any other county in the United States, they felt that it would be only right. Sorry, my dog is starting to act up. Completely acceptable. Dogs are always welcome. <laughs> and I caught him or her out of the corner of my eye and so stinking cute. So, <laughs> so, so, back, so back to the story. So these, these people and the majority were in the, were in the potato industry and the others were just community leaders. They felt that, uh, I don't know if you self appoint a name for yourself and it's the, that uh, black with the potato capital of the world, they felt like they should make good on that promise, right? Right. Or that on that claim. So they um, they got together and they said, let's make a potato museum, but they called it an expo because they thought museum would, would put people off. But then what they did is uh, they tried it out. And of course, people in the this in Blackfoot thought, well, if we come and see a museum about potatoes, who do you want to see that? And I think that's typical of a lot of communities. They are so familiar with what they have and who they are that they don't realize that people from outside of their community really appreciate their culture. And it doesn't matter what that is. It could be whether, um, you know, just anything. Um, so they had a gentleman from Cody, Wyoming, who, who does the museum up there, the great museum. And he came and talked to the townspeople and said, yeah, this could be a really cool idea. And you should go for it. So they did a sample opening in the um, uh, in, in 1988, where they opened just for a month. And 2,000 people came to see what could be here. The This building that, we, that we're in is a... Um, was a, it's, a, it's a historic train depot. It was built in 1913, and um, and it worked for many many years. But by 19 by the time, but by the early 1980s, passenger trains had been discontinued, and the, the people had been abandoned. So, what they did is 
Union Pacific, just about the same time, donated the building to the city of Rockford. And so they had a place to go. It all worked really well. They opened up with just the with the types of um, exhibits that could be here. And people really went for it. They thought it was a great idea. And then from that time forward, you know, it was a bumpy ride. It was really slow. But by the time I arrived in 2012, 10,000 people were coming to a year. But I could see what could be here. It's just amazing the stories that you can tell about potatoes. I mean, in every field from, um, and we're only barely scratching the surface here. We're not even beginning to tell everything that can be told. Uh, diseases, the history, um, quality, oh, it's just, it's forever, it just goes on. I mean, just potato recipes alone, it's just tremendous what you can do. It's just never ending, it's great. Now, what is it about the region of, or I guess just Idaho in general, that region, what makes it such a good place for, to, for potatoes to grow? Uh, let's talk about water first. The Snake River that, um, that flows through black, but it, it, it comes, so, it, so the Snake River flows from, like from, from Rexburg all the way down into Boise. And, it, and, and that's called the Snake River Plain. And under the ground, what that Snake River does is that there is an aquifer, which is a, over a billion acre feet of water. That aquifer is really roughly the size of Lake Erie. So it's amazing the access to water that we have. And then now you're talking about soil. Soil it is a beautiful volcanic area. It's a volcanic plain. Um, so you have this rich, fertile, sandy soil, which is just prime for potatoes because it allows them to grow and shape in that gorgeous oblong shape. Then we have the perfect weather conditions. We have great, and our summers are hot, and our nights, even in the summertime, are really cool. So that gives a really, a really great firmness to the, to the texture of a potato. It's perfect. It just couldn't get any better. What is it about potatoes in general, just culturally? So, you know, if bacon has been having a moment as a food, right? Everybody loves bacon. Everybody loves avocados. And I think the next one that's emerging is going to be potatoes because everybody loves potatoes. And what is it about them? I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Hey, um, I think the first thing is uh, they're they're easy to grow. You can grow them anywhere. I mean, even though Idaho is perfect, you can grow them in a garbage bag. You can put soil in a garbage bag, and as long as you water it, that potato is going to grow. It's perfect. It's easy. You can grow it anywhere from high altitude. They're growing potatoes in Saudi Arabia. Um, it's perfect. They um, and then just acre 
just, just the amount of food products you can get out of one acre. Like you, like if in one acre, you get about 36,000 pounds of potatoes in one acre. That's what you can produce a lot. As opposed to wheat and rice, like rice is like 750 pounds. You know, you think about the difference in the food content that you can get. Now, um, potatoes can, you, you just think of what you can actually do with them. You can fry them, you can bake them, you can put them in a casserole, you can uh, dehydrate them. They store for a year. I mean, it's like a superfood. It's and and it's um, and the the actual uh, food uh, nutritional content of a potato. You have every vitamin in there except A and D, which you can get from the sun and from butter, which you totally want on your potato. Right, that's a perfect marriage right there. <laughs> I would happily sit in the sun eating a very buttery plate of mashed potatoes. <laughs> so. I mean, it just kind of blows your mind what you can do with it. I, I mean, it's, and particularly like dehydrate, dehydrating potatoes. Um, that's our, we do a thing called um, free taters for out-of-staters here. And it's been going on since the museum opened. Uh, it used to be that when they first initiated that program, that people would come and stop and get an actual baked potato without putting them back on it. But that was a small museum to sustain that. And of course, we didn't know who was coming and who wasn't. So eventually that program was um, discontinued. But Basic American Foods came in with their with a dehydrated product. Usually it was hash browns. This year we've given away dehydrated mashed potatoes. Um, and, and so everybody who comes to the museum or their family, they get a free tater for out of it's a, it's a really great uh, it's a, it's a really great program and it identifies us, but it's that they just dehydrating potatoes. I mean, you think about like armies and great masses of people who have, you have to move people. It's light, it's easy, it's feeling. You don't lose any nutritional value in it. I mean, you do compromise, I think, a little bit on the taste, but not that much um, because it's dehydrated. But, but you think about, you know, potatoes were first are original to South America. And from what I understand, there's been um, evidence of the uh, early Andean people dehydrating potatoes, you know, like like way, way, like a thousand to two thousand BC. I mean, that's amazing what you can actually do with this kind of a, kind of a food crop, right? Well, and it, it's sort of a little bit off topic of the museum, but I know you also have a uh, cafe there as well. You offer your traditional potato with butter, your topping of the day, um, French fries, tater tots, potato soup, but you also have a potato ice cream. Yes. So um, we do two things. We first did the potato ice cream was made in Boise, and it was a, it looked like a potato, uh, vanilla ice cream uh, rolled in uh, cocoa powder and with whipped cream on top. It's great, it's a terrific novelty item. But it was too hard for us to get that item and keep it um, clean. So we have a new, uh, not clean, but to keep it nice and fresh because I had to freeze it for all these people and then it would eventually just go bad. So if we didn't sell them in time, which Big. I mean, they all sold out really fast, but it was still, I only have so much freezer space. So I have a new cafe manager 
and make that product. And so that's back is, is the potato that actually looks, the ice cream that looks like a baked potato. But this time, instead of just being regular ice cream, we have a supplier in Idaho Falls called um, Farms Ice Cream, and they put potato product in the ice cream itself. So potato starch and potato flakes go, in, go into the making of that ice cream. So now people get um, just regular, they get regular ice cream with potato in it in a variety of flavors, or they can get that um, potato-shaped ice cream. So it's really fun. So if I were to come visit the Potato Museum, obviously there's so many things I can learn historically, scientifically, nutritionally. What is the thing that is the most, like, I don't know, stop you in your tracks exhibit for someone who comes to the, to the museum? I think the thing that, that, that really stops people in their tracks is that they don't, they don't realize that potatoes don't come from Ireland. Because of the great potato famine, I think we really associate that. I did myself, um, but they come from South America. And just that history is really interesting. And another thing, it's like potatoes are part of the nightshade family. It took a long time before um, potatoes were actually accepted as a food source. Um, my understanding from reading, uh, from reading uh, different articles was that the early Indian people, they... Um, they learn to eat potatoes by watching llamas lick clay, and then um, so it, so it coated their stomach, and they could take that, you know, whatever poison is in the potato, they could eat that. And so then, as as you know, as, as we grow things, we change things, and and now we have a potato that's really that's just wonderful. But when it first came to Europe, people thought it was only good for pigs to eat. What is the what is the vibe around sweet potatoes at the museum? Oh, so people want to know about sweet potatoes, but they're a total different plant. Potatoes are tubers, and sweet potatoes aren't. They're they're just completely different. And they, real potatoes are better. No, they're both great. You cannot. <sighs> you cannot. I'm a real potato person, unless it's a sweet potato fry. Well, I like I like everything about it. <laughs> yeah. I guess I just like, you know, squash, sweet potatoes, all of that. It's just, they're healthy, they're great, they taste terrific. Um, I think one of the things you can say about a potato over a sweet potato is potato is more versatile than a sweet potato, meaning that you can marry a potato. Like if you wanted to make your mashed potatoes more healthy, um, you can pair them with, uh, cauliflower. So you can mash the cauliflower, you know, the mashed potatoes, your kids will never know that they're getting a little bit of extra vitamin source that way. They'll never know they're eating a cauliflower because it tastes like potato. The gravy over it, butter over it, sour cream. I mean, it, the, the potato is just so wonderful about absorbing all those other different flavors. And we have like a cookbook that's like really thick. All these different things that you can do. Now, the museum has a impressive looking Mr. Potato Head collection. But you also have, I, I believe it's the world's largest crisp or Pringle. Yeah, Pringle. It was I, made, it's, it's, 31, it's over 30 years old. So it has a little crack in it. Oh, yeah, that's know, amazing. Hey, yeah. I had more than a little crack in me at 30. <laughs> like I had a lot of cracks. <laughs> um, I actually have uh, somewhere in here, I have the, the dimensions, I think it's 24 inches long. It's, it's pretty, it's big, it's like this. And, and, and it's, it's cool, I think it's great. 
and then I, I'm sorry, what was that? It's a crisp. It's not a chip. I mean, people, you have to understand the difference. A crisp is a Frito where it's a potato parts, and a crisp is actually right off the potato chip, right? Interesting. Okay. Now, doing a little research um, before we talked, I noticed there are a bevy of potato museums around the world, including three in Germany alone. Do you want to insult any of them? You've got the, the stage is yours. I think anything and anything that supports the potato is a wonderful organization. There's one in um, uh, Prince Edward Island, and they have a cafe, and they serve lobster over their potato. I really want to try that. That's that amazing. <laughs> so nothing. We don't want to tell the Germans where they can get off with their <laughs> potatoes. Okay. No, I just wanted, again, like... I mean, you, know what? you want to see they will come over and see what we got going on over here. It's pretty cool. This is what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We had, um, we did about, we like to say we only had about 10,000 people coming, but today, I mean, last just last year, we had over 32,000 people come to our doors. And that's not the people who come to for free, you know, like our school trips and things like that. So, yeah, which is pretty good. That's awesome. And then the other thing I noticed that I feel like we need to highlight um, is that if you want to have a baked potato at the museum, you need to call ahead because you a per a, you don't. You don't have to call ahead, but what happens to us and has happened to us in the past, and why we suggest you call ahead is that um, we can get you know it takes a full hour to pick potatoes, and then in the summertime we keep that oven going constantly. I mean, it never stops, and we. We want you to have a baked potato. We don't want you to have a microwave potato. We don't want you to have a flash bun potato. We want it to be baked. And to do it right, it takes an hour. So we have people who are coming through and, and we do get a large group and they will order 12 potatoes at a time and then boom, we're out another hour quickly. So if we want to make sure that we hold those back for you, that way if you call, you know you're coming, we've got your potato in it. What do you, how do you guys feel? I'm assuming I can guess the answer, but um, when people use the phrase that small potatoes, you're against that? No, I'm, I'm not against anything that has potato in the in sentence. But we, but our potatoes, we do a 60 count potato, makes them about this big. <laughs> so we want to impress people when they come. So we don't use the small ones, we use the larger ones. Because you know, usually you're just getting a big potato and a drink and you're full when you're done. So, Luke, you've been waiting for days and days to ask about this, and I'm just waiting for you to ask about the record holder. Oh, yes, you need a new deal. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Doug. yes. <laughs> it's like the best. I feel really bad for the, the former um, uh, world record holder because his potato, I have a picture of it, but his potato is only eight pounds. Three, three or four ounces, eight pounds, four ounces. A substantial newborn. A couple of different red potatoes. But what I read about him, and this gentleman, he's amazing. He, uh, it, it's kind of his hobby to grow large vegetables, whether it's pumpkins or gooseberries or, but, or his potato. And he's been the world record holder twice. So he's totally been, not just moved aside, but totally. Right. Oh, the oh. <laughs> 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 Yes. 
love to see that in person. Wouldn't you enjoy it, right? Yes. And I love it. Its name is perfect. I know. Doug. Doug. Right? Doug. Yeah. yeah. Doug is a great potato name. <laughs> and he said, wow, they named it after me. Yes. <laughs> but of course. <laughs> Have you, uh, I guess I probably haven't tried to get in touch with Doug's people to see about, I know he's currently being frozen. Really? Oh, how cool. Really? They're freezing? I guess Doug is starting to turn is the problem. And they don't know what they want to do with him yet. I guess there've been offers for potato vodka, but they haven't. Doug should be bronzed and okay. Doug should move to Idaho and be in front of the museum. Yes. Well, I would like a photograph of him because we do. Um, we, I don't know if we could beat that. that cause I knew, I, I know that we could beat the, the other one. And we were trying, we really came close a couple of years ago. The um, strangers, they, they found one, they pulled, they just pulled one up out of the, their field that was seven pounds, two ounces. You know, that is bigger than my first child. Yeah. That, you yeah. know, that's a big potato. But it was only that big, but it was it's beautiful because it was it looked just like a um like a regular potato. These like Doug and the other world records, it looks like there are a couple of potatoes all mashed together. This was just a simple single potato. And I felt like with our soil and and everything we have going for us in Idaho, I think we just Throwing those into the bin and they're just being processed. Right. Guys, just one of these big potatoes. Whatever. It's all fun. I think it's great. He's 17 pounds. I can't even imagine that. Right? When in Blackfoot, Idaho, make sure to check out the Potato Museum. For more information, check out their website, IdahoPotatoMuseum.com. You can check us out on all the various socials. And don't forget to leave us a review. Today's show is produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant producers are John Sauvet and Sandy Stone. Our willing producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here, Nigel?